This is another one of Joseph Mercola's articles from Mercola.com entitled Liars, Propagandists, and the Great Reset. It was dated January 24th, 2022, and it's available in its entirety on his website that it now has been transplanted to Substack. Story at a glance. In January 2022, House Oversight Committee Republicans released National Institutes of Health emails that show Drs. Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins led the effort to bury the lab leak theory, even though the consensus in early February 2020 was that the virus likely leaked from the Wuhan lab. Fauci and Collins appear to have participated in the creation of a Nature Medicine article that denied the possibility of a lab leak in Wuhan, arguing instead for a natural origin of the virus. The Nature Medicine article is a glaring example of propaganda being promoted as science, and of science in turn being used for political aims. Behavioral science scientist Simon Ruda, co-founder of the British Behavioral Insights team, unofficially known as the, quote, nudge unit, confirms that the British government has been using propaganda tactics to scare the public into complying with COVID rules. Using behavioral science to manipulate people to achieve political goals is fundamentally anti-democratic. January 12, 2020. Rising co-host Ryan Grimm reviewed the content of the National Institutes of Health emails released by the House Oversight Committee Republicans. According to Grimm, the emails, quote, paint a damning picture of the U.S. government officials wrestling with whether the novel coronavirus may have leaked out of a lab they were funding, deciding that it may very well have, and then actively suppressing these questions. What this latest cache of emails reveal is that February 1st, 2020, Dr. Anthony Fauci, director of the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, that's NIAID, his boss, then NIH director, Dr. Francis Collins, and at least 11 other scientists joined a conference call during which they were told that the SARS-CoV-2 virus might have been leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology in Wuhan, China, and that it might have been genetically engineered. The next section is what was said during the secret conference call. The next day, Dr. Jeremy Farrar, director of the Wellcome Trust, circulated a set of notes summarizing the discussion. Mike Farzan, the scientist who discovered the SARS receptor, had reported, reportedly stated that while the receptor binding domain did not look engineered to him, he was bothered by one particular site. According to his note, Far, Farzan, quote, has a hard time explaining that as an event outside the lab. Farrar's summary goes on to state that, quote, So, I think it becomes a question of how do you put all this together, whether you believe in a series of coincidences, what you know of the lab in Wuhan, how much could be in nature, accidental release, or natural event. I am 70-30 or 60-40 towards ma the manufactured virus theory. A note from professor and microbiologist Robert Gary, Ph.D., reads, quote, There was a perfect insertion of 12 nucleotides. I really can't think of a plausible natural scenario where you get that from a bat virus or one very similar to it to NCOV where you insert exactly four amino acids, 12 nucleotides, 
that all have to be added at the exact same time to gain this function, and that and no other amino acids were changed. I just can't figure out how this gets accomplished in nature. In the lab, it would be easy to generate the perfect 12 base insert that you wanted. Other scenarios are implausible, in my opinion. The next section is politics overrode scientific consensus. So in the early days of February 2020, the general consensus was that a Wuhan lab leak was a plausible scenario and perhaps the most likely. However, politics rapidly entered the scene. In a February 2nd, 2020 email, Collins stated that he was, quote, coming around to the view that a natural origin is more likely and warned that, quote, voices of conspiracy will quickly dominate, unquote, lest they convene a panel of experts to address the matter, and that such conspiracies could do, quote, great potential harm to science and international harmony. Two days later, Fauci and Collins received a draft of the article, The Proximal Origin of SARS-CoV-2, later published in Nature Medicine. Overall, the Nature Medicine article roundly dismissed the idea that the virus originated in a lab, proposing instead that despite a dearth of evidence, it must have evolved naturally. The article didn't stem the flow of questions, though. In a mid-April 2020 email to Fauci, Collins decried the continuation of the lab leak theory. Quote, Wondering if there is something NIH can do to help put down this very destructive conspiracy with what seems to be growing momentum. I hope the Nature Medicine article on the genomic sequence of SARS-CoV-2 would settle this, but probably didn't get much visibility. Anything more we can do? Ask the National Academy to weigh in? Fauci replied, quote, I would not do anything about this right now. It is a shiny object that will go away in time. He was wrong, of course, and the reason questions don't go away was because emerging evidence kept strengthening the lab leak theory, while there was nothing with which to support natural evolution. The next section is the COVID propaganda wars. The Nature Medicine article is a glaring example of propaganda being promoted as science and of science in turn being used for political aims. There's nothing scientific about dismissing a valid origin hypothesis in order to maintain, quote, international harmony. Of course, the entire COVID pandemic has been plagued by propaganda. Behavioral scientist Simon Ruda, co-founder of the British Behavioral Insights Team, unofficially known as the Nudge Unit, confirms that the British government has been using propaganda tactics tactics to scare the public into complying with COVID rules. He says, quote, nudging made subtle state influence palatable, but mixed with a state of emergency, have we inadvertently sanctioned state propaganda? According to Ruta, fear tactics, such as an emphasis on flawed models, were initially deployed to secure compliance during the first lockdown. However, it never ended. In a January 13, 2022, article, he wrote, quote, that fear seems to have subsequently driven policy decisions in a worrying feedback loop, unquote. He goes on, quote, I remain a supporter of the use of behavioral science and public policy and of the behavioral insights team, more commonly known as the nudge unit. However, witnessing how the UK and other governments have responded to the pandemic, I can now appreciate the vulnerabilities of well-intentioned democratic regimes and the potential for behavioral science to be used inappropriately. 
He continues, in 2010, the Nudge Unit was the first government unit dedicated to behavioral science and public policy. By 2021, there were over 400 of them all across the globe. We advocated two new dimensions to public policymaking, behavior-focused models describing what drives human decision-making and the priority of empirical research over all other sources of information. I believe this contribution has and can continue to serve governments well, but it must be used appropriately. For me, it means seeing the bigger picture, recognize what you can and can't measure, and seeing the potential for unintended consequences. He continues, Invoking different emotions to convince people stay at home during the pandemic is less appropriate. It could have negative consequences that are missed. In my mind, the most egregious and far-reaching mistake made in responding to the pandemic has been the level of fear conveyed to the public. It may be worth reflecting on where we need to draw the line between the choice-maximizing nudges of libertarian paternalism and the creeping acceptance among uh, policymakers that the state should use its heft to influence our lives without the accountability of legislative and parliamentary scrutiny. Nudging made made subtle state influences possible, but mixed with a state of emergency, have we inadvertently sanctioned state propaganda? Ruta also said, quote, it's becoming quite clear over the past two years that we cannot rely on science or data alone in a pandemic. We also need reflection, reason, and debate. The next section is entitled, Behavioral Science Has No Place in Democracy. In his piece, Ruta acknowledges some of the criticisms the nudge unit has received since its inception in 2010. But while Ruta still believes there are place for there is a place for behavioral science in government, others say no way. In a January 14, 2022 spiked article, Professor Emeritus of Sociology Frank Furidi insists that, quote, government's use of behavioral science violates our freedom to judge and act for ourselves, unquote. Faridi writes, quote, Ruta's admission is striking and adds that Ruta, quote, even expressed concern about the state's willingness to use its heft to influence our lives without the accountability of legislative and parliamentary scrutiny. Faridi goes on to cite a March 2020 paper by the Scientific Pandemic Influenza Behavior Advisory Committee written on behalf of the UK's government's scientific advisory group for emergencies. In acronym SAGE, in which they stated that the people were, quote, too relaxed about the pandemic. Faridi continues on, quote, a substantial number of people still do not feel sufficiently personally threatened, and goes on to say that too many are reassured by the low death rate in their demographic group. It then urged the government to increase the perceived level of personal threat, among those who are complacent using hard-hitting emotional messaging. Some members of SAGE have since reported feeling, quote, embarrassed, unquote, by the nature of this advice. One regular SAGE attendee said last year, the British people have been subjected to an unevaluated psychological experiment without being told that's what's happening. At least, and at least some behavioral scientists are now questioning the political use of their discipline. But the problem goes deeper than fear-mongering during the pandemic. We need to address the corrosive influence of behavioral science on public life in general. Faridi stresses that the principal problem with, quote, nudging 
is that this sort of behavioral science is, quote, fundamentally anti-democratic. It's based on the assumption that people cannot be trusted to make rational choices and therefore must be subject to management by bureaucrats. Faridi continues, quote, They treat people's emotional lives, lifestyles, and relationships as legitimate objects of policymaking and professional intervention. This politics of behavior has given rise to a new form of technocratic governance. Over the past two years, sublim- subliminal psychological manipulation has near universally replaced debate and discussion. The problem is that you cannot have a democracy without open debate. What we have now is, in fact, a technocratic form of governments, whether people realize it or not. And unless we pull the plug, there soon won't be such a thing as democracy anywhere in the world. The next section is nudging is fundamentally anti-democratic. Faridi goes on. When Britain's then Deputy Prime Minister, Nick Clegg, casually remarked in 2010 that the nudge unit could change the way citizens think, he spoke like a totalitarian ruler. Since when was it within a democratic government's mandate to try to manipulate and change its citizens' thoughts? He reports... He points to a report called Mindspace, Influencing Behavior Through Public Policy, written by the UK Cabinet Office and Institute for Government and published in 2010, in which they reveal and basically admit that the use of behavioral psychology and policymaking, quote, deprives people of the power to democratically determine their future. The report actually presents this kind of government activity as a form of, quote, surrogate willpower, which on its face shows that individual freedom is not honored or even taken seriously. Instead, government is actively trying to make our decisions for us, in large part by indoctrinating us with certain, quote, values and ideas that we might not naturally share or agree with. At the end of the day, whether behavioral psychologists get things, quote, right or, quote, wrong, they are violating people's freedom to make their own decisions. As noted by Friedi, quote, This threatens the very precondition for a flourishing democratic public life, namely the existence of morally autonomous individuals. After all, it is only through the making of choices that people develop a sense of responsibility for themselves and for others in society. As our experience of the pandemic shows, we need to respect the common sense of citizens and allow them to make changes, choices in line with their circumstances. Our minds must be a no-go area for these self-appointed high priests. The next section is entitled Weaponizing Behavioral Science. The danger of behavioral science being weaponized against the very public it claims to serve. It started with people who refused to buy into the propaganda being labeled as, quote, anti-science conspiracy theorists and, quote, anti-vaxxers. Now these same people are being labeled as terrorists and targeted by national security agencies. A headline in The Guardian declared in mid-January 2022, Concern for UK security as anti-vaxxer groups evolve towards US-style militias. Counterterrorism officials are monitoring movement amid military-style training and lurch towards violent extremism. According to this report, such individuals might, quote, undermine national health security, unquote. In other words, health itself has now been weaponized. 
The national vaccination program equates to, quote, national security, and sharing information that might cause vaccine hesitancy equates to an act of domestic terrorism. It's ridiculous, of course, but that doesn't make it any less serious. The last section is called the Davos Agenda. Between January 17th and 2021st, and 21st, 2022, the World Economic Forum hosted its annual meeting in Davos, where the top technocrats in the world meet to hatch and share the next steps in the technocratic takeover, takeover of the world. World Economic Founder Klaus Schwab opened the forum's virtual Davos agenda by introducing Chinese dictator Xi Jinping, General Secretary of the Communist Party since 2012 and President of the People's Republic of China since 2013. Schwab's short introduction makes it clear that this dictatorship is now being looked to for inspiration and leadership as the Great Reset moves forward. Perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that Fauci and Collins were more concerned about, quote, international harmony, unquote, than getting to the bottom of where SARS-CoV-2 came from. Using the Chinese model of behavior modification and social engineering through technological surveillance and coercion, the World Economic Forum and its global allies say they are, first, continue the building of a global biosecurity state in the name of fighting the COVID pandemic, second, revitalizing the global economy and accelerating its transition to net zero, third, preserving biodiversity by deploying nature-based solutions. Fourth, narrowing the gap between the rich and poor to achieve more sustainable global development. Anyone familiar with technocracy will recognize what a pile of manure this is. Without understanding what these goals entail, they might sound good, but in reality, this agenda is a call to war against humanity as we know it.